Hi there and welcome to Colour Fit Chat number seven. This week I'm absolutely delighted to say I've got sports nutritionist Matt Jones on the show. Matt is one of the UK's most prominent sports nutritionists. He has a master's in nutrition. He currently works with a number of high profile English clubs, including West Ham, Brentford and Chelsea Ladies. His reputation has also got him noticed across the pond where he worked as head of nutrition for the University of Oregon. He's also worked in the Middle East. He currently consults for the UEA national football team and he's also consulted for the Bahrain national team. I've also used Matt's expertise in some cultural specific work for the Middle East and I can attest to the quality of his work. In this chat, Matt talks about the nuances between the theory and practice when it comes to nutrition. And this is so important. I've worked with a number of nutritionists and by far the most common downfall is to not give enough credence to the practical outcomes of the work they're doing and to get too caught up in the science and the theory of nutrition. So heed these lessons from Matt as someone who's been there and done that. I hope you enjoy the show. If you feel you can leave any questions or comments, use the hashtag ColourFitChat and also tag Matt and ColourFit. Enjoy the show. What does the typical day look like? Um, for myself, it normally starts in the gym. Um, I'm a new dad, so the first thing in the morning is pretty much the only time I have uh, with a free head and, and time to, to go in the gym. So my days normally normally begin there. Um, we'll then kind of convene as, as a performance department or a, a medical department um, and, and have a meeting. Um, within that meeting, we'll obviously share information about the, the day's objectives, the, the day's training, um, and share information relative to or relevant information about different players um, and things like that. So uh, after that, the players will start to drip in. Um, we have um, a system here at, well, at, at various clubs. Um, where players will kind of select what meal they would like on, on an iPad. So they'll have like a an ordering system, if you like. Um, so they'll turn up, um, order their meal on a, on an iPad. Um, that'll get sent to the chef. Um, the chef will obviously prepare the food. And uh, during that time, uh, we'll also do some monitoring on the players. So as you're probably aware, players get monitored from all angles nowadays. Um, but myself, I, I like to tr uh, keep it fairly simple. Um, obviously, wellness questionnaires, um, skin folds. Uh, I like to assess body weight as well. Uh, obviously, um, body weight is influenced by um, hydration status and glycogen also, and, and obviously daily energy intake as well and expenditure. Um, so uh, we, we assess body weight fairly regularly during the week, um, but we could also use uh, urinary assessment uh, or hydration tests uh, using uh, urine-specific gravity. Um, and from time to time, we have uh, been known to use uh, saliva as well. Uh, so we assess um, saliva for IgA and um, cortisol. Uh, after that, the players will obviously have breakfast um, and then uh, go out for training. Um, so I like to have a, a presence on a, at some training sessions. Um, just because some of the messages that I provide to players, obviously in relation to fueling on the field and uh, recovery interventions and things like that, it's, it's good if I'm there to kind of reinforce those messages as well at, at, at the time um, or at the specific times uh, during training. Um, so I, I like quite like to have a, a presence there as well. Um, so after that, the players will come back in. Um, they'll then attend uh, lunch. 
Um, I've, I don't really like to, to pester people at, at lunchtime all that much. Um, I would hope that they're able to kind of make an informed choice um, based on kind of their requirements and, and my, uh, my objectives for them. Um, after lunch, uh, we'll typically have like small informal meetings with players. Um, again, w one thing that I've learned over my career is that um, informal scenarios or formal settings, uh, footballers tend to close off. They, they kind of revert into their shell. Um, so I like to kind of have more informal conversations with players. Um, I find they're a little bit more open uh, and honest in those environments. Um, if I sat them down in a quiet room, just me and them, it would probably, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would work all that well, or I, in, at least in my experience. Um, so yeah, and any meeting I have with players, it tends to be fairly, fairly informal. And pr probably, to be honest, the most valuable conversations I have with players are, is often kind of in passing, um, in the corridor perhaps, or um, kind of next to the fridge or like the random places basically. Um, after lunch, uh, that's generally when we'll have like small group sessions or, or the large group uh, education sessions. So uh, we have like a, a curriculum of education whereby the season begins with like nutrition knowledge questionnaires and things like that. And then we can categorize players uh, based on their nutrition knowledge and we can then kind of group them into kind of areas of weakness. Um, and the presentations are kind of geared towards that weakness. Um, so we're not necessarily teaching things the players already know, uh, because one thing that I learned again uh, in the early stages of my career is um, in group scenarios, you'll get people who uh, you'll get some players who know quite a lot about nutrition uh, and then you'll get others that really don't know anything. Um, and obviously talking to someone um, about carbohydrate, if they already know about carbohydrate, is kind of a, a, a waste of time, I guess. Um, I'd rather work on their weakness. Um, so finding out what their weakness is uh, with the nutrition knowledge questionnaire is, is valuable. Um, so yeah, so once uh, so that's the the group the group sessions. Um, and after after that, we kind of um, well the, the players for one will, will disappear. Um, I then, uh, kind of go through a, a phase of planning for the following days, evaluating or um, evaluating the, the information that I've collected that day, um, kind of summarizing everything um, and then planning for, for the next few days. Uh, question number two, uh, what impact uh, does nutrition have on football performance? Um, that's uh, an interesting question. So I guess um, in the early part of my career, I was probably guilty of kind of overstating the importance of nutrition or overstating the impact of nutrition on, on football performance. Um, I was kind of guilty, fr fresh out of university, for thinking that obviously nutrition was going to take a player from kind of average to world class. Um, and I, th I, I probably came back down to earth with a, with a thud um, in, my early, in the early stages of my career. I used to see players almost eating like the perfect pre-game meal and then coming off after like 17 minutes with fatigue um, and also there was a there was a game in, in Brazil I remember we played um, this it was like a lower league team in um, in a pre-season friendly um, I was obviously pretty eager to impress I I was diligently planning everything for, for many 
days prior to this game. Um, and the opposition, they turned up, uh, they, they were kind of late, so they didn't really warm up. Um, apparently they hadn't had a pre-game meal. Uh, we'd obviously prepared properly, I, I, I'd planned everything. Um, and we absolutely, we got absolutely destroyed by this team. Um, so, so I, I, I kind of like made me realize, okay, well, nutrition is important, but at the end of the day, technical performance and, and the best players uh, win football matches. So that kind of made me zoom out a little bit and uh, made me realize, okay, well, um, nutrition probably has uh, the biggest impact on on health. So when we when we look at um, kind of nutrition and optimizing nutrition, that the overall objective first and foremost is to to improve uh, the athlete's health. So just to make them available for more games, um, and it will also obviously impact um, longevity. So that the length of a player's career. Um, obviously, we also know that it has a, a big a big impact on on recovery. So uh, recovery during games. So between intense bouts, uh, nutrition is likely to have a big impact on on that recovery. But then also recovery between games as well. Um, and obviously, um, we know that uh, nutrition can also impact performance. So uh, we know from years of research uh, the impact of carbohydrate on both endurance performance and then intense um, repeated activity. Um, and then uh, obviously the, the brain as well, carbohydrate is a primary fuel for the brain. So uh, in terms of cognitive performance, decision making and things like that, we know that nutrition can impact that quite considerably as well. Um, as can think supplements uh, like caffeine and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I guess the the main impact of nutrition is uh, on, on the physical performance. Uh, but then we know from recent research that nutrition can also impact uh, technical performance in, in football as well. And uh, that's kind of evident from research from um, Mark Russell, uh, Dr. Mark Russell, and uh, things, uh, some of the research out of uh, Liam Harper's um, group uh, at University of Huddersfield, that's some great work, uh, great work there. Um, so yeah, I, I guess in the early stages of my career, I was fairly guilty for um, overstating the, the, the importance of nutrition when the reality is, uh, fundamentally, um, it's going to improve uh, the athlete's health um, and that's going to allow them to kind of, or build the foundation for them to perform optimally. Question three, uh, the biggest career eye-opener. Um, okay, well, <laughs> For me, I think uh, in the early stages of my career, the biggest eye-opener was um, the fact that I almost had to develop three different languages. Um, so uh, again, fresh out of university, I think one of my first jobs was actually uh, in the Premier League with Stoke City, um, which was obviously a, a phenomenal experience, but I was kind of still learning my learning my trade. Um, so I, I, I almost kind of went into that job fresh out of writing like scientific papers and the master's thesis and things like that. So I went in there talking like scientific jargon. Um, and thanks to obviously the, the mentorship of um, Damien Rogan, um, I learned to speak the language of football. Um, so I quickly realized that um, to, to work in football as, as an applied practitioner, you you can't speak in kind of scientific terms in like use scientific jargon. You have to really speak the language of football. So I guess the biggest eye opener was the fact that I have to now speak three languages. Uh, one, in, obviously the English language with my wife and, and family and friends. 
um, two technical scientific language with like medical staff and um, colleagues and things like that and three the language of football um, so the, the language of football uh, just as an example um, carbohydrate oxidation so in scientific research you'll, you'll read like rate carbohydrate oxidation rates uh, with a, in football language that's basically translated as, as carbohydrate burning um, or muscle protein synthesis is like muscle building um, so it just those those slight changes make a make a big big difference um, in terms of um, kind of working with, when working with footballers. So that was one uh, one huge eye opener, I guess, early in the early stages. Um, another one was uh, having to kind of understand like football banter and how how to kind of respond to. Um, response to football banter. So I was an intern at Warrington Wolves um, when I was probably, I don't know, 17-ish. Um, and I remember I was basically responsible for skin folds. Um, I, I used to go in and skin fold every week. Um, and one day I turned up and uh, the, the calipers were basically hanging from uh, Libria's um, private areas. Uh, and I turned up and like, I was like, whoa, what the hell? But yeah, so I guess just being exposed to those kind of banter environments and uh, being able to respond to them, that, that's that's really, really important as a as an applied practitioner. Uh, obviously, the, the memory sticks with you as well, which is kind of, uh, kind of depressing. Um, the third eye-opener, I guess, was to really zoom out. So... Uh, don't be so kind of obsessed by like the, the fine details. Um, again, in the early stages of my career, I, I used to kind of weigh out like dosages of caffeine and these kind of things. And um, yeah, just really, really zoom in and focus on details. And I think, uh, again, going back to like periods of time working in, in Brazil and stuff, I used to watch players go out and uh, basically on an empty stomach and they, they pretty much like performed incredibly well um, so I think that that kind of experience and made me zoom out and think okay well I, I just need to ensure that the, the fundamentals are in place so shape shape the environment make sure the food available to the athlete the, the food the, uh, the the supplements the the, the snacks, the fluids available to, to the players are of the highest quality and in sufficient quantity. Um, so that the default position for the, for the player is, is the right one. Um, and then obviously have a, a system of education that allows um, the player to make um, informed decisions when they're away from the club. Um, so obviously we know that um, knowledge is the, the biggest driver for, for behavior change. So if we can educate these players, um, then we're more likely to influence them away from the club as well. Um, and that's kind of, kind of why um, I developed the, the, the structured curriculum of education, uh, because we realized players come from all different backgrounds. They come at different stages of their career. So we really need to find out their baseline level of knowledge so that can help um, inform our education intervention for each athlete. Um, so yeah, I, I guess they're my kind of three or four big eye-openers. Uh, question four, uh, what do I think the future of sports nutrition is? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I think the future, in future we'll see um, sports nutritionists or, or teams or clubs um, controlling everything. So 
Um, rather than relying on players going home and, and kind of fending for themselves and making their own meals and stuff, I think we'll probably see uh, players in their contracts have um, either the, the, the team or a chef um, provide a meal for them uh, to take away um, and have at home. So the club are basically in control of every, every meal that they have. Um, I think that's something that we're kind of working towards at the moment. Um, that way, obviously, we can control the, the energy intake, the macronutrient intake, and um, and every, well, their entire nutrient intake. Um, so I think that that will probably be the future. Obviously, nowadays you'll see um, most well, a, a lot of players in the Premier League will have private chefs at home, uh, but they're not necessarily controlled by the club. Um, but I think the the future will be. Um, Right, yeah, the, the club will have more control over the, the evening meal and, and meals away from the club. Um, so data, I think data will continue to be a big thing. Um, I think we'll probably get data from all angles. So you'll see kind of like smart urinals, for example. So you won't have interns taking urine samples. You, you'll just have a, a smart urinal that will kind of take a hydration test every time you uh, you go to the toilet and they'll probably give you live feedback and, and things like that. And similarly, if you go to sit down for a number two, you'll probably analyze your, your feces as well. Um, so yeah, you'll probably get, we'll probably be getting data from everywhere basically. Um, but again, it'll probably come back, well, it will definitely come back uh, to the human uh, interpretation of that data. So how we use that data and, and what we do with it, uh, that, that will still be the key, the key component. But I think that the future is definitely going towards the, uh, like a, a, a big reliance upon data. I think that will continue as well. Um, so I think uh, in future, we'll probably be able to utilize GPS uh, a little bit more, especially from a, a sports nutrition perspective. Um, so GPS might help us inform uh, individual fueling strategies and uh, recovery strategies and things like that. We, we've, myself and um, a former colleague, Jace Delaney, have like tentatively looked into this, um, but I think uh, more work definitely needs to be done. Um, so we have started to kind of develop some things using GPS in terms of uh, fueling and recovery. Uh, but I think technology will start to be incorporated into into clothing as well. So like Nike, for example, will probably have like sweat patches uh, incorporated into shirts and things like that. And that will probably be linked to an iPad um, so coaches can see it live, like the, the live feedback from each player. And then they'll be able to intervene during the game. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of the future of sports nutrition, uh, it will be very kind of data driven. Um, obviously, there's a lot more research to be done in, in, in various areas of sports nutrition, so it, I'm really looking forward to that continuing. Um, yeah, but I think that the future will be control and, and, and data. A big thanks goes out to Matt there for an absolutely fantastic show. Players ordering food is a really interesting concept and using questionnaires to target your work is something I highly recommend because it provides insights on individuals and a group level. The ability to build relationships in informal settings like the rec room in the gym is great for players opening up and, and making people seek out your help. You need simplistic communication tools and just don't be the geek. Don't overestimate the importance of nutrition. Remember, 
Good nutrition won't take you from being an average player into a champion, but bad nutrition can certainly stop you fulfilling your potential. Concentrate on your big gains like health for career prolongation and recovery at key times. In the future, there's gonna be more interaction and automation between data and nutrition, things like hydration from built-in sweat patches and glycogen re restoration from GPS figures. So certainly should be exciting times. Colour Fit Chat is gonna have a break for the Xmas period, but we're back with a bang with one of the fitness injuries, true heavyweights in the form of Ben Coomer. And I can't wait, so hope to see you then. Merry Christmas, everyone.